In this episode of Startups for the Rest of Us, Rob and I are going to be talking about soft skills for entrepreneurs. This is Startups for the Rest of Us, episode 394. Welcome to Startups for the Rest of Us, the podcast helps developers, designers, and entrepreneurs be awesome at building, launching, and growing software products. Whether you built your first product or you're just thinking about it. I'm Mike. And I'm Rob. And we're here to share our experiences to help you avoid the same mistakes we've made. How you doing this week, Rob? You know, I'm doing pretty good, man. And uh, I was thinking that if if folks were ever interested in having two episodes of Startups for the Rest of Us each week, they can't quite get that because you and I just don't quite have the time to do it. But I've been guest hosting on the Art of Product podcast with my good friend, Derek Reimer. While Ben Ornstein is in Hong Kong, we've done, I think two episodes have gone live, but we recorded a third. So there's like three episodes in a row where it's us talking about launching products and, and theories and how to be, how to stay creative and how to build the right features and how to validate an idea because Derek's in the middle of, of launching his, uh, you know, or build, really building and validating his Slack competitor called Level. So wanted to call that out, Art of Product Podcast, if you are interested in hearing more in the same video Vein. Obviously, it's not the same because Mike's not on, but it is in the same vein as this type of show. Awesome. How about you? What's going on? Well, I was talking to uh, Frank Denbo, and I don't know if you remember him. He came to the first oh, yeah. MicroConf, and yep. uh, he uh, he was the uh, subject of the hot sauce incident all over his laptop. So That's I, right. Yep. I felt the need to remind him of that. I had a call with him earlier this week, but he is putting together a small conference in New York City called Inflection, and it's aimed at helping people build profitable companies. So I thought that I'd mention it on the show just in case there was anybody who's interested. It's a one-day event. It's on Saturday, June 16th. starts at 8 a.m., and it's in, I think it's on the lower east side of New York City. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. You can find the website over at inflection.splashthat.com, and we'll link that up in the show notes just in case anybody's interested in going to check it out. It's very cheap to go to it. I think it's only $100 for the tickets, but he's really trying to put together. Uh, he's got a great speaker lineup already, and it's really aimed at taking a business that is either just getting off the ground or already has some level of funding, whether it's the founders or they've taken some like a first seed round or something like that, and getting them to profitability. So I think he's going to do a really good job of that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Frank's been kind of a longtime friend of MicroConf and and just, you know, I, he's been there several times and I've always enjoyed having conversations with him. So that's cool that he is setting that up. Wish him the best of luck with it. So this week for me, my brother is in town from California. Well, so, so Sherry and our 11-year-old went out of the country and she's doing some volunteer work in Central America. And there's some good friends down there that they're staying with and, and hanging out with. And so I was kind of like, oh, man, I'm going to be home all week with the two with two seven-year-olds. You know, what should I do? And, of course, Sherry and her infinite wisdom was like, well, fly somebody out. You know, have your dad come out or just someone who, who doesn't come out very much. So I asked my brother, who's pretty busy right now. He has a fa his own family, and they're actually relocating from the Bay Area down to kind of Monterey area. But he was able to carve it out. So it's been super fun. I have gotten intentionally gotten very little done this week because I just cleared the schedule aside from this podcast. I think this has been, it's, it's Thursday morning. I think this has been the first, you know, work I've done this week. I checked email once or twice, but it's certainly nice to have that flexibility and, and been having a great time. But the one big thing that, that kind of happened this week is I've been working with a designer 
to and a WordPress guy to redo softwarebyrob.com. And you know that I was using a, a blog theme. I think it was the original coffee blogger theme from like 2007 or eight on there. And I just never carved the time out with all the stuff I was doing to, to update it. So a new version just went live this morning and it uses updated pictures, not the ones from six years ago. And it has the, the site barely mentioned. I don't even know if it did mention microconf before this, you know, I just, and, and the other books that I've read, I mean, it was just so out of date. It was embarrassing. So if you go to softwarebyrob.com now, it's more of a legitimate, like, oh, this guy's not a clown. You know, how can I be in technology and have a site that looked like it did? It was, it was embarrassing. You know what else is embarrassing though? Having the JavaScript pop up and say it can't be loaded because it's not SSL. <laughs> Is that what mine said? Yes. <laughs> oh, geez. What browser are you in? Because we did all this Q&A last night on three different browsers. And it, of course, it works on my machine. But Yeah, it's in Chrome. So, yes, yeah, something to look into. It's just a JavaScript uh, widget, I think, for StumbleUpon. Okay. Are you, what, are you on the homepage? Yep. Okay. Let me make a note of this real quick. Cool. Yeah, it's always, a, I mean, this went live 10 hours ago at like midnight. And so I QA'd it a few, for a few minutes and then... Uh, so I'm glad to glad you're able to find that. Yep, no problem. Just busting your chops on that. <laughs> I know, I know oh, how it course. is. <laughs> of course. So, how about you? What else is going on? Well, uh, I am kind of uh, poking around at how to do things, uh, how to do basically a, a product hunt launch because I'm looking to put Blue Tick out on product hunt in the very near future. I'm thinking about possibly doing it as early as this coming Tuesday, which would be when this episode goes out, but it might not be until the following Tuesday. So just kind of poking around at what what it takes. And I've, I've done stuff on Product Hunt before, but you know I, I would say that I probably wasn't necessarily as up to date on all the things that needed to be done at the time and uh, how to kind of capitalize on the traffic. So I'm looking pretty heavily into those kinds of things right now. Yeah, it's always, it's always good to do a little research on this thing because these things change, you know, like every six months, it seems like there's new techniques and new tactics and, and new ways to kind of rank well on these, these sites and to, and to kind of do it quote unquote the right way, whether you get the maximum impact from it or not, it's nice to at least try, you know, and, and at least try to push it up the, the rankings there. Cool. So obviously I'd like to be, you know, I'd like to upvote when you, and tweet when you uh, uh, do the product hunt launch and I'm on your email list. Is that the best way for someone to, to know about this? Like, is it, bluetick.io and they can get on your list there or is it singlefounder.com over at bluetick.io there's a mailing list that you can sign up for it's actually the i think to get on that you have to go and sign up for the email course but there's a justin jackson had uh, said that easiest way to do that to basically be notified of stuff like that is to go over to product hunt and then follow a single founder over there so that way if i launch something it. then you you'd get a notification from from there cool anything else you know, I, I don't usually do this, but I totally blew off last Friday to go fishing. Yeah? Why is that? Uh, for Just because I felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, forget it. Well, the weather's nice, right? Well, a friend, a friend of mine and, uh, and I get together about once a year or so, and we usually will either go out or go fishing or something like that. And last Friday, he reached out to me and says, hey, do you want to go out? And I was like, sure. So uh, we went out and we went fishing, rented a boat and went out. I think we caught two fish for, for like over the course of five hours, which kind of sucked. But, you know, it was a good day to just go out. So we went to the Treehouse Brewery, which is a uh, local beer brewery, which they have all their own local beers. They have about half a dozen to a dozen different things that they're working on at any given time but 
you basically have to stand in line for, in some cases, like people will stand there for like upwards of one and a half to two hours because they don't use distributors. So their brewery is the only place that you can get their beer. And like, you basically have to wait. They've used distributors like a couple of times in the past. And then they just got rid of them. And I think it's because they've realized that they can charge a heck of a lot more for the beer and they make just so much more money. I was kind of doing some mental calculations and it's just like, you know, for every hour that they're open there, they're probably making like ten, twenty thousand $20,000. I mean, it's ridiculous how much they're charging. It's, you just see people like coming out with like cases and cases. So it's, it's an interesting business model, but you also have like an hour and a half or so to sit in line and talk to the people around you. And I actually ran into a guy who is in the software space here in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Oh, that's cool. That's always nice to do. Yeah. It's, those businesses are a trip to me. I mean, they're, it's kind of the Cinderella story of the lightning in a bottle. Like they do exist, but like if you and I started a brewery, it's very unlikely that, that we would have that much pent up demand. Right. But the ones that do, it's fascinating. And you're right. I, you know, I imagine they're minting, minting money to a certain extent, at least while they're popular. Cause I, you don't know, is it, are they going to be popular for 10 years or is this kind of something where they're popular for a few years? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I think it's a, a total crapshoot as to whether like you could engineer that type of thing. I think that you can you could reverse engineer certain things and say, this is why I think that this works. But it, it's hard to say exactly why everything happens the way that it does. And you're right. I mean, you know, you can't say for sure whether it's going to continue to be that like that for 10 years. Very cool. So what are we talking about today? Well, today we're going to be talking about soft skills for entrepreneurs and wanted to give a shout out to John Sanmez from Simple Programmer, where I'm pretty sure that I got this idea from one of the emails that he sent out. I think one of the emails had said something about soft skills for developers. So just want, kind of wanted to give a little bit of attribution there. But I, I kind of put it in context of as an entrepreneur, what are the soft skills that you need or that you should try to cultivate and what do they mean to you as you're trying to run your business? And I thought we'd kind of run through a short list of things that I came up with and kind of aggregated them from a bunch of different sources based on entrepreneurship and software development and various other aspects of running a business. Cool. Let's dive in. So to start with, I think it, it kind of requires a definition of what exactly is a soft skill. And according to the, the definition that came up when I typed it into Google, they say that it is personal attributes that enable someone to interact effectively and harmoniously with other people. Seems a little nebulous, I guess, in certain aspects. But the basic idea is that these are things that you have to probably practice. And it's not that you can't learn them in school, but it's probably not that they're typically taught at like a college or university or, and there are classes and certain things that you could take, but you're probably not going to get a degree in any of these things. Right. Yeah. The soft skills are always, they're hard to quantify. And I think when I was younger, I kind of, I mean, you know, like when I was in my late teens and maybe in college, I kind of blew them off. And I remember being like, you know, if I have solid engineering skills, I can just, you know, it's black and white and I, I know the answer and I can, I can, you know, accomplish what I need to. But as you get older, you kind of learn like, no, the, the people who do a lot of people who do really interesting things and can really impact the world or at least like start companies and run them. It takes both, right? It takes both this left brain and, you know, and, and I'll say this right brain or at least this interpersonal skills. And oftentimes we're not taught this even by our parents. I know that I really wasn't. And it took me till my mid to late 20s before I picked up on, a, you know, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today. So I, I think it's pretty valuable. 
I think the other thing is that you you learn a lot of these things very indirectly. As I said, like you, you're probably not going to go and take a course on time management, for example. But there are things that you can learn or, or books that you can pick up about the topic. But it's, it's not going to be like a core focus of where, whatever it is that you do, especially if you're going into entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's right. So we have five things on this soft skills list. And the first one is empathy. And with empathy, really, it really helps you to relate to your customers and understand what challenges you're having. And some of the different things that I thought would be helpful in terms of trying to develop that empathy or is it to at least understand what it is and what it is in the context of your business. So when you're having conversations with people, the first thing is to listen to them more. So instead of trying to talk and get your ideas out there, there. Empathy is actually the reverse. It's understanding what other people are thinking and where they're coming from. And by talking less, you're going to just by default listen more because it gives them the opportunity to talk and you get to hear what their thoughts are, where they're basing their opinions on or what they're basing them on. And, you know, maybe some background about how they developed those opinions. Yeah, and for those who are fans of the Hamilton musical, you'll know Aaron Burr's line where he says, talk less, smile more. And that's it's actually seen as a negative thing because he won't take a stance and, and he's being a politician. But I have, have changed that line for my kids, and I will say, talk less, listen more, right? And and it's kind of a, I think it's it's fascinating advice. It's easy to give and hard to implement for all of us, especially people who are smart, ambitious, tend in a lot of circles to be the person driving the ship. If you're a founder, you've probably been one of the smarter people in in the room for most of your life. But just because you're smart doesn't mean that that you should not listen to other people, right? Other people have really good ideas that if you just take the time to listen to them, you know, you can implement them. And the other thing where this really helps is if you get that angry customer email or, you know, even the angry tweet or whatever it is to be empathetic, you know, as a superpower to be able to understand where they're coming from, realize, hey, they're probably just frustrated today. They're not really personally attacking me, even though it feels like they are right now. And the best customer support reps and the best customer success folks that I've worked with really are able to dial in this this empathy uh, aspect. The other interesting piece of developing empathy is that you can be right and still like give off the vibe that like you don't care because you come across as arrogant or that you know everything. And part of empathy is just sometimes you already know the answer to a question that somebody's going to ask. And empathy is simply listening to them anyway, instead of saying, here's your answer or talking over them or trying to, uh, I'll say, command to them like, hey, you need to listen to me and you need to do this. Some people just want to be heard. And then you can give them whatever the answers are, because then it sounds like you have or it appears to them that you have listened to everything and you fully understand. And even if you already know the answer in advance, you can ask a couple of prodding questions, I guess. And it positions the the conversation differently in their mind. Like as long as you're conscious of those types of things, then it allows you to not only project that empathy, but also to get people to go along with you. Whereas if you were to, I'll say, come from that, that source of authority or commanding authority, they may take offense to it and tune out and not want to listen, regardless of whether you're right or wrong. And if you want to see an example of that happening, exactly what you're saying, like go on Twitter and watch people discuss a maybe a controversial topic or just a, a, an often misunderstood topic, and you'll quickly see that people in in you know in this world don't have enough empathy for one another. So that's a good example of kind of what not to do 
you know, as you're running a business or, or in, in conversation is jump to conclusions and start attacking. So empathy was, was the first soft skill. The second one is time management. Bottom line is you're never going to have enough time or enough resources to do everything you need to do and you want to do in business. So you have to learn how to prioritize. The first thing that, that I'd recommend is you don't need to do this forever, but in the early days, track your time. Like I literally used to use a time tracker um, where I had categories, even when I wasn't being paid, didn't need to track my time, but I was tracking it either based on the task I was doing or the product I was working on when I had multiple products. And, you know, it was just a little desktop timer and I would select the project. And then at the end of the week or end of the month, I could look back and I was like, why did I, I pissed away a bunch of time working on this product that isn't even profitable. Should I sell that thing? Should I shut it down? Or do I just need to be more deliberate and more disciplined about not not spending that time doing that stuff. So that it's kind of like budgeting where like, I believe you should budget or look at your budget for a certain amount of months until you get a feel for it. And then I've always stopped after that because I kind of have this stuff in my head of where we are and how, where we should be. And I believe that tracking time is like that. I didn't track it for 10 years, but I tracked it for probably six months. The first six months I was an entrepreneur and it really helped me see that pie chart of where I was spending a lot of time and where I was spending a little and it helped me evaluate you know, if that was the right mix. One thing I really like to do in terms of time management is blocking off my calendar so that, you know, like on Mondays, for example, I tend to not take calls of any kind, whether they're, you know, with customers or doing demos or anything like that. I just, there's just a time block on my calendar. So you can't schedule a meeting with me unless it's super critical or important. And I, I feel like I need to, but generally speaking, that time is mine so that I can actually get work done. And I, I do that on occasion where I'll throw a, a calendar block in there as well, where it just marks my time as busy so that I can get other things done. And I do see people who have calendars where they will have like a very regimented schedule and they'll say from six to seven, I'm doing this, seven to eight, this and et cetera. I can't do that as much. I feel like there's a lot of things that I'm working on where if I try to do that, I'm probably going to run over my time or I'm going to be too too conscious about what that time frame looks like or those hour blocks. And it's just going to conflict with my brain and I'm just not going to be able to pay attention to it or it's going to be distracting. So I don't like to do that as much, but there are some people that that really works well for. So after time management, the third soft skill is negotiation. And this overlaps a lot with sales skills, right? If you understand someone else's objections and their motivations, you can identify ways to overcome the objections. And whether it's convince or encourage them kind of down the path that you believe is correct for them. And hopefully, you know, your product being at the other end of that is, you know, will benefit them in the long run. And I, I think that's a difference to me between someone who is is kind of an ethical salesperson versus someone who just wants, you know, the, the commission and is going to force someone into something they don't like is the ability to, to truly look and say, wow, we actually suit your needs better than your current provider or better than the alternative. And here's why. And to be able to say that. And so negotiation slash sales skills, I think, kind of fall under this, this same one. The one place to start as, you know, if you're going to get into either a sales conversation or a negotiation, you know, negotiation could be with a, a vendor that, you know, let's say you're sending a ton of emails through a company like SendGrid or Mandrel or something, and, and you're at an enterprise level, maybe you're trying to negotiate a price there, or maybe you're negotiating the sale of your company, or maybe you're negotiating the price of your enterprise plan to, to someone who is uh, wanting to buy. And the first thing to do is to learn everything you can about the other person, like what they're trying to achieve, why it's important to them, what parts of the deal are, are deal breakers and which are not. Finding out what a win looks like for the other person is critical to 
probably to your own version of what a win is, right? And then because you know, or you should know what a win is for you. And hopefully, you can figure out what it is for them and try to merge those two things. Surprisingly enough, I had said earlier in the episode that there are not very many soft skills where you can take a, a college course on it. And negotiation and conflict management is actually a course that I took in college, which was taught by a, uh, a professor that I, I know and respect. He unfortunately passed away several years ago, but it was honestly like one of the best courses that I had ever taken. And I learned a heck of a lot of things in that, not least of which was the fact that there are certain types of styles of negotiation that I prefer, which, you know, generally generally involves a win-win scenario. And we went through all of the different styles of negotiation and we practiced them in that class. But one of the books that was a resource for that was one called Getting to Yes, Negotiate an Agreement Without Giving In, which you can get on Amazon. I think it's only like a couple of dollars, but I don't know if they have a, uh, a Kindle version of it, but it's like five or six dollars for like a used paperback version. Definitely recommend picking that up. But with negotiation, part of it is figuring out what it is that you want and knowing in advance what you can and can't live without. If you are, I'll say, blindsided by a negotiation and you end up in one, the best thing to do is kind of walk away and regroup and say, let's schedule this or talk about it some other time. Because I have been in those situations where I, I was scheduled for a meeting. It was more of just a come in and say hi and ended up like in a negotiation for like, what is this contract going to look like? And what are going to be the dollar amounts? And I was completely unprepared for it and basically did not negotiate very well. But I think that that's very common. If you're not prepared, if you haven't done your homework on it, then you're not going to understand where those different lines are for you. And you're not going to be able to keep them in mind and pay attention while you're going through the course of that negotiation. And uh, along with that, make sure that you keep in mind what your emotions look like. Don't let winning a negotiation get so far in the way of everything else that's going on that you can't pay attention to the things that are the most important. Yeah, I agree. Those are those are really good tips. Uh, another book I'd like to recommend that I haven't read yet, but it's on my wish list. And I heard an interview with this guy and it was the interview was awesome. Like it's not often that I listen to a podcast interview and I'm instantly trying to find more from that guest. But the book is called Never Split the Difference negotiating as if your life depended on it. And the guy was a hostage negotiator for years. And I forget if it was with the SWAT team or if it was with like the FBI or somebody, but just really brilliant insights. And, you know, again, it's on my wish list. I haven't listened to it yet, but the 30 or 40 minute snippet I heard of him made me want to really dive in. So it was another take. I've also read Getting to Yes, and it's, it's very good. I've read, you know, as I've sold multiple companies and software products, I have read at least a half dozen books on negotiating and, you know, these are getting to yes was was one of the best ones. So I'm glad you called that out. I picked up that book that you mentioned as well. Never split the difference. I, I haven't read it either. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the queue. Am I right? Yep. The one other thing I would comment on negotiation is that what's important to you or what you think is important to the other person is not necessarily always the case. And there's times where you can negotiate for something where you may think or feel like it would take a lot to get the other person to agree to it. And based on the situation that the person's in, it may not. It, it may take very, very little because they have other things going on and you have to learn what those are throughout the course of the conversation. 
Yeah, the last thing I'll throw in is when you're negotiating, think about there's times when you're negotiating and you're going to have a relationship with this person after. And then there's times when you're not. So an example of not is when you're selling or buying a car. You're only going to interact with this person at this point and, and there's really not a relationship past it. So you can really go for the highest dollar or lowest dollar as the case may be, depending on which side of the deal you're on. But if you are selling a company and you're going to work with that person you know, for the next year or two afterwards, or you are selling an enterprise deal and you know that your company is going to have a relationship with that person for at least the next 12 months, then you need to, you can't just push it so far that you burn the relationship. So that's kind of a final thing is like negotiating. You've heard this expression, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. That expression means if you push for every last dollar, and I've worked with people like this, who just want every last nickel out of everything so that they feel like they got the best deal, but then you don't want to do business with them anymore. You know, and I've, I've totally walked away from people like that where we cut a deal and it's obvious that, that they wanted it extremely one-sided. And if you're always that way, you're not going to have that many people who want to do business with you. So just something to keep in mind is oftentimes the best deal is not the best deal for you. It's the best deal for everyone. sounds like we could do a whole episode on this. <laughs> I was just thinking that we could probably do an entire episode. We should do that sometime. Yeah. Cool. How about our next one? What's our fourth soft skill? So the next one is management and teamwork. So I kind of lump these together in, in terms of the management is managing other people and assigning tasks and making sure that things are on track. But teamwork is also putting yourself in a position where you have somebody else managing a piece of it and you're acting as a teammate for them. So it's it's kind of two sides of the same coin. But the bottom line is here is that you can do everything in your business, but it's really hard to do all of it in a, in a timeline that is efficient and gives you the ability to make money and turn a profit and do all the other things that you want to do. Outsourcing or hiring or bringing on teammates helps to move things faster. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you hire somebody, you might just collaborate with another person or do a joint venture of some kind, which, you know, you may need to negotiate some things there, but you're still going to need to work with them moving forward to get whatever that joint venture is done. And uh, a lot of management, I find, comes down to empowering people to make decisions so that you don't need to be in a position where you have to micromanage them. Tell them what it is that you want to achieve. Tell them why you want to do it, what's important to you along that path, and then let them do it. If you try to micromanage everything, it's going to take so much time and, and work and effort on your part that a lot of times it's just not even worth trying to outsource it. It's You may as well just do it yourself because you have this vision in your head of exactly how everything needs to be done. And if you're micromanaging it, you're just basically wasting your time. You're having somebody else do it, and then you're double-checking everything anyway. And it's not going to work out for you in terms of the, the time that you're trying to gain from handing it out. Yeah, I think that's a mistake that most beginning managers or delegators make is they're used to doing things themselves and they want the control. I know that I made this mistake in the early days of hiring people that probably weren't that good. So I felt like I needed to give them a lot of instruction or, you know, maybe they, it wasn't they weren't that good, but maybe they just didn't have the experience, but I hired them because they were cheap and I didn't have a lot of money. And like you said, it was probably not worth doing at all. And and I should have tried to find someone with the experience, waited till I had some budget, um, had them worked fewer, maybe had them work fewer hours and just on fewer tasks, but have them be uh, someone who's more of a fit. I think one of the things that, that I've discovered about management and teamwork uh, over the years building these companies is that a big part of it is getting the right people on the bus, right? It's, it's hiring people who work with your work style and hiring people who work well together. 
And if you do that, even if you don't have a tremendous amount of budget, you can you can really get a lot of work done. Something else that goes into managing a team is knowing when it's not working out. And not everything is going to work out. There's times where you have to cut your losses and move on. And whether that's with a contractor or an employee, you can do everything in your power to try and make sure that things go well and that you are managing them in a, a fair and effective way and that they understand what it is that they're supposed to do. But ultimately, there are times where it just doesn't work out. You need to be able to recognize those and move on in a way that is best for everyone involved. And the fifth soft skill, which kind of covers, you know, or applies to almost all the ones that we've talked about already is communication, right? In every interaction with someone else, it is critical that you have the ability to communicate clearly, to communicate effectively, and frankly, to communicate with empathy, like with the other person in mind, you know, what their mindset is not just drilling down of you need to do this, but it's like, what do I know about this person that I've worked with for a year and how they think about things and how much control do they want and how much control, you know, am I willing to give and what kind of instructions do they need and kind of tailoring that message. So learning to communicate effectively with people is huge because it saves time, prevents misunderstandings. And this includes like when we think about communication, there's written communication, so it's, you know, it's your, your emails or even like essays, like, you know, if you're writing a, a blog post or anything like that, it's presenting. It is verbal communication, right, in both in meetings or in planning sessions or in kind of brainstorming sessions. And I think a big part of this, I don't know that this is the whole thing, but a big part of it is, is figuring out which mode of communication that, that works best for you. And potentially, you know, I don't know if you go so far as to build a team around that, but to realize, wow, I really am better at, at verbal stuff. So I need to, uh, that needs to be part of kind of the culture of our, you know, of our team is that they can, they can take a voicemail from me or a Voxer or, you know, are willing to, to jump on a call and chat something through real quick because I'm, I'm a 10 X verbal processor, but my emails really suck, you know, or vice versa. If you're really good at writing, then build a culture where it's around Slack, you know, and it's, it's around email. Consider, you know, again, if, if you're going to build a company of 200 people, then that won't work, right? You can't dictate it. But if you're going to build a team of three to 10 people, then a lot rotates around the founder being effective at what they're doing. And so I do think that you can, uh, discovering that and knowing it about yourself and potentially improving the other ways as well, which is something I've done along the way, right? I've, I've, traditionally been a good writer. I've traditionally not been someone who was good at, at both public speaking or verbal interactions in general. And something, you know, that we've done with the podcast, it's made made me much more able to, to process my thoughts verbally and to get stuff out there that's kind of in my head. And then doing all the public speaking or at the early, you know, early on, it was at, at conferences from 2007 to 2010. And then we started Microconf. And now you and I are, are in a good way forced to speak basically two times a year. And that just keeps your chops up. It keeps your ability to, to communicate a message in a way that's, that's really effective. And I think that ability to practice those types of things, in some ways it's forced, but at the same time, you also learn to enjoy it at some point, or at least I would hope that you would enjoy it if you have to do it enough. But those types of skills, the presenting skills and the public speaking, those really help when it comes to things like sales presentations or trying to go through an interview process and explain to somebody why it is that they should join your team or when you're negotiating with somebody about their, you know, their salary requirements or what their needs are 
are for them to onboard onto your product and determine what it is that's holding the back and what their objections are. All that stuff that goes along with the communication is extremely critical, whether you need to follow up with an email or you need to explain it to them in person. And being able to recognize what the preferred mode of communication is for other people and then adapt yourself to their preferred mode of communication is really going to be helpful for you to be able to achieve your objectives within the context that they are comfortable in. Because you can't always go via email. I mean, I, I think this, I can speak for most introverts who listen to this, like my preferred mode is email, but that doesn't mean that it works for everybody. Some people actually like getting on the phone and you have to be able to do that. And if you want to do a demo of your product, then you clearly you have to get on to a call and, and do that with them. There are ways around that. There are some exceptions where you can have videos and things like that. But for the most part, you still have to adapt to the world around you and put things out or present them in a way that other people are able to and willing to consume them. Yeah, that's a really good point, you know, is that you can't, I shouldn't say you can't, it's really hard to hide in a corner if, if you do truly want to be introverted and do everything via email, right? You really, you would really need a low price self-service SaaS offering, and you're only going to be able to grow that to a, to a certain size. And that's, that's not terrible. Like that's what I did in the early days, to be honest, you know, until I felt like, all right, I need to force myself to come out of the shell. So it's not to say it's something that, that you can't do, but you're definitely going to limit it's self-limiting behavior, right? To not want to improve on the modes of communication that, that you don't necessarily enjoy. And one thing I want to touch on is you mentioned having, you know, hard conversations or just having important conversations. And there was a really good book recommended to me by, uh, by Ruben Gomez from BitSketch. It's called Crucial Conversations. And I've read it. I like it. I think if you want to improve your ability to have not just difficult conversations, just important conversations with people, I think it's, it's a really good look at kind of framing how, you know, how you should approach them and how you should view them. So to recap, the five soft skills we looked at today were empathy, time management, negotiation, management and teamwork, and communication. If you have a question for us, you can call our voicemail number at 888-801-9690, or you can record an MP3 on your phone or on your computer, and you can email it to us at questions at startupsfortherestofus.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from our Out of Control by Moot. It's used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for startups. And visit startupsfortherestofus.com for a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.